0: jude 24 25 the last two verses of the book of jude i would encourage you at some time in your christian life to either commit these verses to memory or to meditate on them uh, for for a while they are such rich and good verses and jude ends this book with these words and i'd just like you to follow along with me as i read these last two verses of the book of jude now to the one who is able to keep you from falling and to cause you to stand rejoicing without blemish before his glorious presence, to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time and now and for all eternity. Amen. Jude has talked to us about the fact that There is nowhere that we go that we're not confronted with spiritual battles and spiritual warfare and our spiritual enemy we we have a battle within us every day in our minds and in our hearts we have a battle in our homes we have a battle even at church the place you may think you know we're, we're safe at church right no jude tells us no certain people have crept in to the church and brought false doctrine and false teaching and are leading disciples of jesus away There is nowhere that there is not a battle. There there is nowhere that we are not under attack. And, And again, we could get to the point where this becomes sort of overwhelming for us if it wasn't for us keeping our eyes focused upon the Lord. Again, that's why worship is so important as a lifestyle. It resets our focus upon God. And what if God received more glory for us going through hard times? I I think many times we pray and we desire God to change the circumstances around us because if we're honest, we want it easier on us. But what if God receive more glory by taking his children and his people through more difficult times and situations. Should we not then echo the words and prayer of our Lord, who in the garden said, not my will, Lord, but yours be done? Because God clearly shows that when we keep our focus upon him, you and I, even as mere human beings, can do the impossible that's just one of the reasons why god asked peter to get out of the boat and to start walking towards him on top of water that's not possible but it was for peter as long as he kept his focus upon jesus it's when he got his eyes off of the lord and got them on the wind and the waves around him that he began to sink. And that is a great picture for us today, my friends, even within the study of the book of Jude, because what Jude has talked a lot about are the winds and waves around us. And that's why Jude ends this very powerful and intense letter with these two verses, because he's saying, now. If we don't get anything else out of this study now let's get this that the winds and the waves will come that the false teachers and false prophets and false teaching will come that the battles will come whether we're ready for them or not that that our our enemy The devil is going to walk around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But when you and I keep our eyes on this one, the God who is described here in verses 24 and 25, we realize that no matter what may come, God can enable his people to rise to the challenges and rise above them and become overcomers and conquerors through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why he starts out, now. He is marking a shift in the whole tone of the letter because up to this time he's told us all about the challenges, contending earnestly for the faith that was once for all delivered unto the saints, contending in the arena every day, fighting the good fight, as Paul told Timothy. But you and I. We'll not be able to sustain our fight with everything around us and it's coming against us unless we keep our eyes focused upon the one who is able. Verse 24. Notice. The one who is able. The God who is able. The God who is capable of anything. The God who is enough, the God who is more than enough. It is not in our ability that we need to focus. We are not able on our own to rise and meet the challenges that we're going to face in this life, even as God's people. But we are connected to the God who is always able. You don't have to turn there unless you don't want to, but I can't help when I think about the God who is able, not thinking about these verses back in the book of Ephesians. Listen to these verses. Chapter 3 of Ephesians, verses 20 and 21. Now to him who by the power that is working within us is able to do far beyond all that we could ask or think, To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever, amen. He is reminding Paul there, the Ephesians, that God has placed his power within us and it's working in us. Therefore, God is able through us to do far beyond all that we could ask or think. It's not just notice that God is able to do far beyond all that we ask or think. He's able to take us because it's his power that's working in us far beyond all that we could ask or think. And then Paul says, should not this God who allows us to go far beyond what we could ask or think in our lives, shouldn't there be glory in the church? Shouldn't he receive praise and honor and exaltation and adoration in the church, if anywhere, in the church? Because if anybody knows that God is able, it should be God's people who knows God is able. In these last several years, God has done miracles in our midst. He's done miracles of healing. He's done miracles of transformation. He is showing himself strong and alive and active in our midst. And God is saying, do you still doubt that I am able? Maybe there's someone here tonight. You're going through a time right now in your life or a season right now in your life, and you just need to be reminded because maybe you've been looking inside yourself to sort of pull yourself up by your own bootstraps one more time and take another run at it. And God is saying, no, it's not about finding any kind of ability or power within yourself, but being filled with my power and allowing me to mightily work through you because I'm the God who's able to do far beyond all that you could ask or think. Now to the one. Are we always and continuously and constantly focused on our God who is able? Is that our default? When we're faced with even an impossible situation? To say, God, this is impossible for me. I don't see a way out. I don't see a way through. I don't see how I'm going to deal with this. But God, you are able. Therefore, you can make me able. You are the god of the impossible. Nothing's too hard for you. So somehow some way God, I'm going to trust you cuz you're able. Now notice in the context back to Jude 24, Jude says, "Ah, oh. some of you who have been reading these first 23 verses of my letter, you realize how hard this battle is, and you may think you're not up to up to the challenge. That you're gonna fall and that you're gonna fail the Lord, and so Jude writes to the one God who is able to keep you and me, all of us, from falling. Whew. Let's stop there, because some of you like me, the first time I read that a long, long time ago. But but God, I I fall, huh. so. What's this mean? Well, this word falling speaks about a fall from which someone can never recover or get back up. It's not that we won't fall or fail, but that God promises his children, but I won't let you fall so far that you can't recover from that fall. I won't let you fall so deep that you can't get back up with my enablement and help. You think through the Bible of all the saints and all the servants of God who failed. I think again, since I used Peter earlier, of Peter who denied the Lord. And yet Jesus restored him because, yes, he fell, but it was not an unrecoverable fall. Jesus encouraged him and Jesus restored him. Jesus still had plans and purposes for Peter. And he met Peter that day by the Sea of Galilee and said, Peter, feed my sheep. You're going to be one of the great leaders of the early church and I'm going to use you greatly because your fall was never final with me and our falls are never final with God. That's why I love Proverbs 24, verse 16. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible because I fall so much. And it says, although a righteous man or woman may fall seven times, they get back up over and over, again and again, every time. You and I are going to fall. We're going to fail. But God, every time, is going to reach down his mighty hand and say, okay, let's learn from that failure and let's get back up. There's still more to do. And so maybe again here tonight, there's some of you, maybe some of you are even watching, you've fallen, and the enemy wants to keep us down when we fall and fail. He doesn't want us to get back up. And that's another reason why Jude writes these powerful words is because we need to be reminded that no matter how we fail and how we fall, it is never an unrecoverable fall. It is never a fall that is so far that you and I can't get back up again with the Lord's help. And tonight, God is reaching down, maybe here, into someone's life and saying, get back up, child, get back up. You've been down long enough. Don't let your spiritual enemy keep you down. Don't let others keep you down. You take the Lord by the hand and you let him lift you up out of the miry pit. Notice also, this God is not only the one who is able, the one who is able to keep you from falling, but the one who also then picks us up and causes us to stand. He doesn't want his children sinking. He wants us standing. He wants us upright. And he can make us stand. And and he can make us take a stand. And he can give us the strength to stand against anything because we can withstand anything with the God who is able no matter what is hurled against us, no matter what uh, weapons of our enemy is thrown against us, no matter what insults and, and, and slander and all of that that may be thrown against us, we can withstand it all because God makes us stand. I think about Stephen, who was being stoned to death. And yet he saw the Lord Jesus in heaven as he was dying. God was causing him to stand even as he gave up his life on Earth for his faith in Christ. Paul said, no one stood with me, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that I could stand. In the evil day. God can make a stand. And, And here's the great thing, too, in the context. It's not just standing anywhere. No, Jude takes us way far into the future. And he says, God can also make us stand rejoicing without blemish before his glorious presence. It means that Jesus has reserved a place for us in his presence. We have a standing there because of the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I I don't have a standing with God. (laughs) I don't have any business being in a place like heaven. I don't have any business standing before the King of kings and Lord of lords, the Holy One who is perfect and sinless. But God, by giving us his righteousness as well as taking away all of our sin, causes us to stand even before his holy presence and has reserved a place for each of us, which is why Jesus said, I go and prepare a place so that where I am, there you may be also. (sighs) Hmm, what a God. And then he says, This God not only is able, not only to keep you from falling, not only can cause you to stand and reserve a place for you, but he's rejoicing. And we are too. See, this is one of those words in the Bible that is a hinge word. It it can hinge one way or the other, and neither one is wrong. In other words, this word is saying, when you and I stand before the presence of God because he's making us stand there and giving us a place to stand with him, that we will be rejoicing. This word speaks about extreme joy and exaltation. In fact, it's a word that speaks of bodily movement. It's a word that was used in Bible times to leap for joy. Jude is saying, you realize when we get to heaven, you know, the old, uh, you know, I can, I can only imagine. Well, biblically, it's like, well, here's one thing we can imagine. You and I will be dancing and leaping for joy when we're in the presence of Jesus. Because we will be so full of joy that, that it, we won't be able to contain it. Even some of you that have problems letting yourself go through worship now, Oh, my, you're going to let yourself go when you get up there. But here's the other thing. Here's the other hinge to that. This word also speaks about, and and this is crazy, the joy that God has over us being there with him. Did you ever picture God leaping for joy over you, being in his presence? Well, that's what Jude said. And that reminds me of that great verse. One of my favorites. I know it's one of Nicole's favorites too. Let me read it to you. Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is in your midst. He is a warrior who can deliver. He takes great delight in you. He renews you by his love and he shouts for joy over you. God doesn't hold back in the joy that we bring him. Incredible, isn't it? Absolutely incredible. To think about the fact that when you and I walk through the door of heaven into the presence of God, that God will be leaping for joy and will be full of joy to see us there. And then, as if it couldn't get, in a sense, any better, Jude just keeps piling it on. Without blemish. It's the word that was used in the Old Testament for the sacrifices. No spot, no blemish, nothing. God wipes all of our blemishes away. He makes us fit to live in his presence forever and ever. Over our lifetime, we can absorb lots of blemishes, not just physically, but obviously spiritually and emotionally. God takes care of it all. No blemishes. we can't even begin to understand what we ourselves would be like in being without blemish. And yet, it's, it's one of the things that God is able to do. And when you and I start thinking about the fact that this God is able to keep us from falling, a fall from which we could never get back up, he'll keep us from that. He promises us that. It's always recoverable. He's a God who causes us to stand. He's a God who rejoices over us and who will make us fit to live in his presence. And if this God has promised us all this the day we walk into heaven, then it's the same God who can cause us to stand and who rejoices over us and who keeps us from falling and all of that down here. And even when we have our blemishes down here, he says, if you confess your sin, I'm faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. The cleansing power of God is amazing. The blood of Jesus Christ has power. And there is nothing that God cannot cleanse out of our life. before his glorious presence. Literally, before the face of God. Think about it. You and I, one day, are going to have the privilege and honor of looking in to the face of God. And that God is going to make us fit to be able to see him in his glory. Oh, my. And Jude is saying, keep your focus on this God because down here on earth, it's a battlefield. And yeah, there's lots of challenges and lots of giants and lots of obstacles and all of that, but don't forget who your God is and that with this God, nothing is impossible. With this God, you are able because he makes us able and he makes us fit and he keeps us from falling and he causes us to stand. That's who this God is, which is why then in verse 25 he says, oh my, it's time to stop and just start worshiping, Jude says. To the only God, the one and only, there is no other God who is our Savior, our Rescuer, our Deliverer. And not just when we accepted Christ as our Savior, but he continues to deliver and rescue and save us throughout our lifetime. Remember, salvation is in three tenses. The moment we trust Christ as our Savior, we are saved from the penalty of sin. But throughout our Christian life, as we yield to his spirit, we are then saved from the power of sin. And one day when we are glorified and we are in his presence, we will be saved from the very presence of sin. Our Savior. By the way, another meaning of this word is preserver. He doesn't just save, he preserves. For I am confident of this thing, that the one who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He preserves. He is able to save us to the uttermost, the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews 7.25. Why? Because he always lives to make intercession for his people. And then I love this, verse 25. To the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord four times in 25 verses Jude mentions that Jesus Christ is our Lord Adonai the word we talked about on Sunday look at it verse four Jesus Christ our Lord verse 17 Jesus Christ our Lord verse 21 Jesus Christ our Lord or Christ Jesus the Lord and then verse 25 Four times in 25 verses, Jude reminds us Jesus is Lord. He rules and reigns over everything. There is no one higher in the universe. He's been given a name that is above every name. And one day at that name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. He is Adonai. He is Lord. But I want you to also look at those three words, through jesus christ those are important especially in the context because jude is reminding us in those three words that all of our life should be lived through him because everything comes to us through him and that if we're living through him then there's nothing that you and i can't do which is why paul said in the very famous verse, Philippians 4:13. I can do all things through who? Christ. Christ, who strengthens me. All of life, if we lived every day through Christ, nothing's gonna stop us. He always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ, Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse. Always. Because Christ doesn't lose. Christ is never defeated. Christ has never met anyone or anything that is greater than him. So when you and I live our life through Christ, we'll be overcomers. We'll be more than conquerors. Our life will be Primarily a life of victory. Not a life of defeat. Not a life of being a victim. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, then be glory. We sang about it tonight. Be the highest praise. That's what glory is, giving God The highest praise. He is the most high God, the Bible says. He is to be exalted. He is to be lifted up. He is to be put in his rightful place, which is the very highest place in the universe. That's giving God glory. It is recognizing who he is and where he sits at the very top of everything. The highest praise. The glory. Majesty majesty speaks of his prominence his preeminence his importance that not only is he occupying the highest place he should have the place of priority he should be the most valued the 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 most important the most significant in each of our lives and in the life of our church that's what it means to give god majesty or to recognize his majesty power this isn't just any power this is reminding us of the almighty power of god and it is a power not just to get things started it is a power to perfect and complete what he starts it is a power to see things through to the end it is a finishing power which again in the context is so powerful if you will by application because jude is saying God's power in you is able to do far above all that you could ask or think. And when you and I think we can't go on and we can't get back up and we can't finish the race, that God's power can enable us to cross that tape and finish. Just like Paul. I fought the fight. I finished the course. I kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the righteous judge, the Lord Jesus Christ, will give to me on that day and not to me only, but to all of us who love his appearing. And authority. Authority here is God's right to rule and reign over all. And you know the crazy thing is? This authority that God has inherently because of who he is, he has granted to each of us. Don't forget that. You and I carry the authority of God with us every day as his people. Great Commission, Matthew 28. Let's be reminded of it. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. In that authority, go and make disciples. Everywhere our feet tread, we go with the authority of Jesus Christ. That's why we can stand. That's why we can hold our head up high. That's why we can live in confidence. Again, not because of anything in us, but because we go in the authority and in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're doing it through him nothing can stop us how does jude end well in a few words jude describes the totality of time first of all he writes this god was before all time you and i can't truly understand that cuz everything we are and every you know Thing we've ever known is measured by time and your brain will start to hurt trust me because I've tried to think about the fact that God had no beginning he's always been always been nothing or no one created God he always been Before anything else was, there was God. There was God. And why does Jude say that? Because, again, he wants us to, oh, yeah, wow, that's my God. That's the God that was before anything. And that everything that you and I know and everything that we will experience and everything we will see one day, even throughout eternity, was made and brought into being by him. As Paul said to the Colossians, nothing that was ever made was not made by any other one than by him. He made it all. He sustains it all. He is before it all. Before all time. No beginning. But then he says, and now. I love it. Jude says, Starts verse 24 with the word now and, in a sense, ends verse 25 with the concept of now. Because, yeah, we need to, in order to, to truly understand who our God is and give him glory, we need to understand he had no beginning. He was before all time. But he's also not just the God of the past. He's the God of Now. And this God who is so great and so majestic and who deserves all the glory and who has all the power and who has all the authority, right now he is with us and he's here even in this auditorium tonight and he's in our lives through the person of his Holy Spirit and he goes with us every day. In fact, there's nowhere that we can go without this God because he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's the God of the now. But he's also the God of all eternity to come. And Jude is reminding us that our worship here is going to be something that we do perpetually and permanently forever and ever. It's never going to stop. It's not like we get to heaven and we stop worshiping now and for all eternity will be glory and majesty and power and authority that's why i love nicole reminds us many times that what we do here on earth is that we're joining with the worship of heaven up there And we're connecting in a spiritual way with what they're already doing up there. But one day physically we're going to be also, as Jude says, in his glorious presence. And guess what? It's not going to stop. We're just going to join what they've already started doing up there, which is why you and I need to be encouraged and exhorted to begin to live a lifestyle of worship now and and be in a church like the Oasis, where we can be led in worship and where we can, you know, encourage worship and and exhort others to worship and and all of that because it's something we're going to do for all of eternity. We're never going to get to the end of worshiping God. We're never going to get to the end of learning about our God. Many have asked me over the years, Pastor Jeff, what are we going to do forever? I said, well, you realize our God is an infinite God. And just like we're learning about him now here on earth, that's exactly what we're going to be doing part of up there. And we're never going to get to the end of God because there's always going to be more that we could discover about God because we're never going to discover everything there is about him. So 10 billion years from now, we'll still be learning more and more about our God. That's how great he is. Which is why all Jude can say at the end is, Amen! Let it be so. Let it be so. Would you stand with me? Before I close in prayer, would you just close your eyes for a moment? I want to ask you to do something for me tonight. Maybe today's been a hard day. Maybe it's been a hard week so far. Maybe it's been a hard month, and it's certainly been a hard six months or year. But with your eyes closed and your focus upon The god we've just worshiped tonight and the god we've just looked at in his word tonight i want you to think about something with me and i want you to project yourself there with all the battles that you and i have to fight on this earth and all the challenges and all the obstacles and everything i want you to think about that day whenever it is that you walk and I walk into his glorious presence. And we see Jesus face to face. And after what could only be the moment of our lifetime up to that point, when we experience him rejoicing over us, in his presence. When we see the joy in his eyes and the love in his eyes for us. And then we begin to to sort of take in where we're at. We're in that place called heaven we've always dreamed about and thought about and wondered about. And we're seeing things and we're hearing things that we only could begin to dream of and think of and imagine. It is at that moment that I believe you and I will come to the very rightful conclusion, it has been worth it. no matter what we have had to go through here on earth, when we are in that moment and when we are before our Lord Jesus and we see him face to face, it will be worth it all. God, may we never lose sight of you. May we never take our eyes off of you. May we continually live our lives, God, through you and from the perspective of your presence, your person, your power. May we not allow earthly, temporal, physical things to get the best of us. May we always live for the higher things. The highest call is on our life. Living for Jesus, no matter what the price. God, I pray that we will keep in mind the truth of these verses so that on those days, God, where we may fall or be beat down or knocked down, that we'll raise our hand, we'll take you by the hand, and we'll get back up and keep on going to the finish line. Because no matter what your will is for us here on earth, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. These things we pray in his name. Amen. Hope you'll come back next week. We start a new series on Elijah next week. God bless. We'll see you next week.